It's your World T20 Preview, part one on cricket, only better. Welcome to Cricket Only Better, show 102. I'm Ed Hawkins. This is part one of our Bumper World T20 preview. We're the only podcast which actually bothers to tell you what is going to happen, who is going to win and why. Sam Collins. Through that, Ed Hawkins, as as the kids say, um, what a show we've got for you tonight. All tonight. This morning, whenever you're listening to this, all the stops have been pulled out by us. Absolutely delighted to say that Simon Dool, former Kiwi international, T20 commentator and scourge of batsmen everywhere is here. Ed has pre-recorded a chat. Ed, what is he talking about? Talking bit pitches. Oh, I said bitches and he's talking pitches. Uh, he's, talk- <laughs> <laughs> he's talking what a World T20 team, what a World T20 winning team may well look like. Um, some great uh, analysis as well on uh, the New Zealand team, what he thinks of them. So don't miss it. No talk of female dogs. It is confirmed. Um, right. Lovely stuff. And also beyond Simon Dill, we have the real reason you guys keep coming back. Uh, Paul Krishnamurti and Richard Mann. Hello, everybody. Hi, Sam. Hello, Hello. Sam. Hello, hello. Right, let's get moving. Not a second to waste. We'll be previewing the confirmed Super 12 teams only, starting with the bottom four in the betting this week. And in part two, we will do the top four in the betting. So let's go. Right, we kick off part one of this World T20 show with some World T20 housekeeping. We start, as ever, with the odds. Let's go for Betfair Sportsbook outright odds. 5-2 Five to two India, four to one England, eleven to two the West Indies, eleven to two New Zealand, two, uh, sixes Australia, eights Pakistan, fourteen South Africa, forty Bangladesh, sixty-six Afghanistan and Sri Lanka, and five hundred to one Ireland. Ed Hawkins, please can you explain how this tournament is going to work? Yeah, it can't be simple, unfortunately. We've got to have a qualifying period first before the tournament proper. Two groups, Group A and Group B, are going to have a tussle to see who makes it to the proper tournament in Group A. You've got Ireland, Namibia, Netherlands and Sri Lanka. And then Group B, Bangladesh, Oman, Papua New Guinea and the Scots. Now, the proper tournament is Group 1, England, Australia, South Africa, West Indies, joined by the winner of that Group A and the runner-up in Group B. In Group 2, we've got India, Pakistan, New Zealand, Afghanistan, joined by the winner in Group B, which is almost certainly likely to be Bangladesh, and your runner-up in Group A. Following it so far, good. Your top top two go through to the semi-finals. Oh, I like what they've done there. They've called it Group A and Group B and Group 1 and Group 2, so you don't get confused among all the confusion. Excellent. Right, quick word about Bangladesh from you, Richard Mann. They look certain to qualify, but no Tamim Iqbal, the talisman. They go into a very tough group. Can you, Richard Mann, make a case for them? If only just to say we did mention them on this pod. Tough group indeed. I think uh, to be really competitive, they'd need tough conditions to bat in, spinning conditions. 
They've just beaten Australia and New Zealand at home in really tough fighting conditions, low-scoring encounters. I think they'd need more of the same to be competitive. But plenty of old faces, Shaqib, Mahedi, um, Mustafa Zir, who's been out uh, in the IPL. Um, so some some very talented performers who could do well in these conditions. Just a quick name to look out for, Afif Hussain. Really impressed me in the series against Australia. A young batsman, real cool head on his shoulders, can bowl a bit of offspin too. And then he, he played pretty well against New Zealand, made a score at the back end of that series. Um, not the finished article yet, and whether he starts, I'm, I'm not too sure, but look out look out for him, Afif Hussain. Okay, you heard it here first. Um, Paul Krishnamurti, I'll let you into a little secret, but I gather Ed Hawkins is planning to take on Sri Lanka in each of their qualifiers. I have a suspicion you may disagree with that. No, not in, not in the least. I don't know where you can get that idea from. I am totally up for laying Sri Lanka. In fact, I noticed that the sportsbook prices have them at 50 to 1 on to win that group and 10 to 1 Ireland and the Netherlands. Well, if if we can lay 105 on the, on the exchange, Sri Lanka, I'd be very interested in that. Uh, I think they're very poor sides. Um, we always see upsets in these competitions. We see upsets in 50 over World Cups, which is a much more reliable form book event. Um, so there's every chance in T20. I think we're going to see a toss bias right from the start, given what we've seen on these grounds towards the end of the IPL. So they are absolutely beatable. So match by match, I think they're worth taking on, as, as it's planning to apparently there. Um what are we looking at? 1.1, 1.2 to lay max in, in those games? That, that, that was a good trade. Okay, okay. That's me back in my box. Right, we've got Simon Dill coming up any minute, but let's give you a clue now as to how we're breaking these teams down. Um, start of the week, about 85% of T20 matches are won by the side with the highest boundary percentage. Ed Hawkins, can you translate that? into human for us, please. Well, if we believe that stat is crucial, and we do, then let's line up the teams in betting order for who have the best boundary percentages uh, and price it up that way. So we'd have England as favourites, followed by West Indies, New Zealand third favourites, India, South Africa, Pakistan and Australia. Afghanistan would get into fifth on that list, but they're playing against associate opposition only so australia are your big losers there right now it's time for simon Dool um talking to our fool edward hawkins and um after that we'll be previewing the bottom four teams in the betting special treat now for cricket only better the esteemed simon Dool joins us one of the most recognisable commentary voices and, of course, an experienced former Kiwi international. Thanks so much for coming on, Simon. No problem at all, Ed. Morning to you. Now, let's try and decipher what's going to happen in this uh, World T20. You've been on the ground, in the bubbles of these franchise tournaments almost all year. Let's talk about pitches because you and I have been chatting on Twitter for a while about these surfaces. They're getting very, very slow and low all around the world because of cricket being played at the same venue. We've seen that in IPL. What do we expect the pitches to do in the World T20? Are they going to be as slow? I, I think they are. Um, I, I don't see that the situation can change a lot more. The weather cooling is cooling down a little bit um, in the UAE. That's 
certainly one thing that's that's happening. So um, whether that changes the nature of how they play, I'm not 100% sure, but we are seeing them particularly in the back half of these games uh, at Abu Dhabi, Dubai, at times they've been more difficult to score than they have been with a newer ball in the first eight, 10 overs. So that's certainly been the case in Abu Dhabi and Dubai for the most part. Sharjah's been pretty average, hasn't it? I think we can all agree that it's been just an average surface. And when we think back to IPL uh, last year, the big scores in the early part of the tournament, and then they slowed up a lot. Now, they relayed the top six inches or so of that um, block, and it just hasn't quite bedded in yet. So it doesn't have that shine of the old Charger days and produce the run. So I think we are going to see very similar situation for that uh, for the World Cup as we're seeing throughout this tournament now. Okay, big question. Some people have been asking this on Twitter. Are they saving pitches for the World T20 or are they going to be reusing IPL ones? Uh, I think they'll be reusing them, to be honest. I've looked across the, the, the block. This um, uh, Toby at Dubai International Stadium, he has been staggering them. So I think we've been like, for want of better numbers, one, three, five. So I think pitches two and four have been saved yeah. um, at, at Dubai. So there will be um, some new pitches, absolutely. I think that at some stage, though, he's got a lot of games and the odd one will have to be used again. Whether he can get them up in the meantime and, and, and get them freshened up uh, prior to. They do have a week between tournaments, particularly Dubai. Abu Dhabi doesn't because it's hosting some, um, some of the qualifying games. But Dubai certainly uh, and Sharjah has uh, at least a week between to, to try and get those surfaces back up. And what about Jew? Do we think that's going to be a factor again? Yeah, I think it will. Um, and as I say, and, and part of the reason for that is because we still get fairly warm days, but it is cooling down and it cools down at night. And as you know, when it cools at night and it's warm during the day, that's when the dew starts to form. Uh, obviously, the, the, the change of temperature being a little more um, dramatic than it is at the moment means that there will be a little bit of dew later on in the in the, in the game. So... You know, I, I, it's one of those things that I, I just hate because I, I think <laughs> it is an unfair advantage to yeah. those winning the toss. So to me, I'm not sure what you and, and, and the listeners, uh, you know, think, but I mean, to me, it's all about if the ICC want to have good, fair competitions, just have a whole heap of cricket balls, give them all to the, to the players for their warm-ups for the nets, and then go around and collect them. Just go around and collect them and say, okay, we've got this one that's been used four overs, eight overs, ten overs. Let's go. And you just throw a new ball out every second over. So make sure that the players fielding second are not disadvantaged ridiculously by having a wet ball to bowl with. So you throw a brand new one or, you know, a, a sort of used ball out every two overs when the dew starts to uh, play a part late in the game. Yeah, that would certainly help with, help with a toss bar. So we're expecting the chasers to do much better as the tournament yes. progresses. Um Given your uh, experience uh, in IPL, you've seen so many games. You've also seen so many games in the Caribbean Premier League where the pitches were slow. What do you think a winning team looks like for the World T20? What what are they going to be their strengths? Are they going to have to be smashing it all around the park or are they going to have to be packing their team with spinners? What, what do you think? I think those teams that have gone spin heavy have got the conditions slightly wrong. And, and having watched, um, you know, the, the IPL tournament in the UAE last year, I think the, the spinners were okay and, and they did well enough. But I still think it's the it's the teams with the best 
seam bowling attacks that are going to produce the goods in this tournament. And particularly as you talked about with the, the dew and, and we've just mentioned, if you can get the seam bowling part of things right at the back end of the innings in the second half when it might be a little bit damp, I think that's when you're going to have the advantage. So to me, teams that have gone spin heavy, I think have possibly misread the situation uh, unless perhaps you're playing at charger, but then the spin is overridden by the, the size of the boundaries. So I think a, a power packed uh, four, five, six, and and a very good seam bowling attack is um, you know is something that I'd be looking for in a team that that was sort of you know maybe going to to go all the way. Great stuff, great insight there, because a lot of people are expecting spinners to be important. What about players who came into IPL and they were expected to do big things? Um, some disappointing efforts from big players in the IPL. David Warner, well-known. Uh, Virat Kohli has been incredibly quiet. Is it an advantage coming in fresh, do you think, to World T20? Because a lot of people would have felt that India would have had a massive advantage getting used to conditions in IPL and any players getting used to conditions in IPL. Do you, do you agree with that? I think you can always say that, that game time is better than net time, but most of these teams will have decent warm-up games leading into the tournament anyway. Once they've arrived, the Australians, I think, arrived a day or two ago. Um, the English uh, have arrived at their base, haven't they? New Zealand have arrived. So most of these sides get enough warm-up games anyway to make sure they get used to the types of conditions they're going to face. I was I was with um, you know a lot of people thinking that, gosh, India are going to have a huge advantage England will have a reasonable lead-in with the likes of Livingston and Roy and and uh, Morgan being here. Sam Curran, who's obviously out now. Um, you know, I, I thought they would have an advantage. Livingston's been disappointing, hasn't he, uh, from yeah. a uh, from an English point of view. Jason Roy's had two scores. Um, Morgan's been disappointing from an England point of view. So, and, and for the big-named Indian players, I, I guess the back end of the tournament, you've seen Eshan Kishan um, come right, but Coley's Vera Coley's strike rate has been well below his standard. Rohit Sharma hasn't had a good tournament. Kyle Rahul's been the pick of them. Uh, been brilliant from from their point of view. And the bowlers that have generally done well have not been in the um, the Indian setup as far as the wicket-taking is concerned outside of maybe a, a Boomerah. So I don't know that there is any real advantage. Uh, having been here in the IPL, I think all the teams will get a, a decent lead in, decent practice games, and perhaps it's a fresh team or a team that's been playing maybe in a different country, um, you know, a la Pakistan, who, who are having a, a very good sort of T20 battle of, um, of their own at the moment. Right, before we let you go, Simon, let's talk about New Zealand. Big fancy, a lot of punters keen on them. Uh, are they going to win this title? Oh, they're, they're a chance. I do worry about New Zealand's power batting. That, that's the only thing I really worry about. I think in, in Trent Bolt, um, Lockie Ferguson... If they make the right call and and bring Adam Milne in, um, I would love to see that. And I think uh, you know the spin bowling quality of, of Ish Sodi, Mitchell Santner, and then you throw an all rounder, and whether you throw a Nishman, whether you throw uh, a, um, a Daryl Mitchell or a Mark Chapman to give you another option, I think our bowling attack is is very very good, and I think it's more than capable of winning a T Twenty title. I do worry about the power batting. Martin Guptill hasn't been in the best of form. Uh, I know, I mean, we, we're wax lyrical about Devin Conway. He's a seriously, seriously good player. He's dominated even white ball formats in, in New Zealand as much as he's dominated red ball. 
but I just don't know where our big boy power comes from. And I talk a lot in T20 parlance about big boy power, having that at four, five, six to finish games off, guys that can get you 30 off eight, you know, 24 off seven, things like that to win you a game at the back end or to turn that 140 into a 170. And, and I'm not sure that New Zealand have enough of that. There you go. That's bad news for Richard Mann, I suspect. But look, Simon, <laughs> come back next week and then we'll try and work out who is going to win this title. Perfectly. Thanks, mate. All right, lovely stuff there from Simon Dool. He's back for more next week. Um, let's start now with our team-by-team team analysis. And first up, Afghanistan. They have definitely qualified, it turns out. Um, got to get in the top two from India, Pakistan, New Zealand, and a qualifier. Uh, they are 66-1 to 1 with Betfair Sportsbook. And Ed Hawkins has a lowdown for us. Yeah, they're fifth on boundary percentage, but do bear in mind they're only playing associate opposition. They're also rated number one on economy, but we're look, taking that with a big salt cellar. Possible 11, Gull, Gerbaz, Ghani, Karim Janat. Look out for him. He's going to be a top bat pick, I suspect. Nabi Zadran, Rashid Khan, Naib, Farid Ahmed, who's a decent operator, Mujib and Naveen Ulhaq. Naveen's going to be your top bowler pick because he's bowling at the death and he's got a superior strike rate to Rashid. They're not without issues and we're not talking about what's going on in their homeland. Uh, Mohammed Nabi leads this team after Rashid refused to do the job. And they've not picked Case Ahmed either. Okay, Paul, big ask for Afghanistan to qualify. Um, better to bet them against New Zealand or Bangladesh for an upset? It is a big ask because they're in a very tough group, or so it would seem, but um, I wouldn't rule them out for any, against any side, to be perfect. I wouldn't necessarily pick out New Zealand as being the vulnerable ones. I think that Afghanistan are a good side. They're capable of beating anyone, especially, as I said before, there's, I expect, a toss bias throughout. Um, they've got match winners. They've got great bowlers, and I think it's going to be largely about containing runs. Um, if they play Bangladesh, I'm not even sure I'd make them the outsiders. I mean, if you they haven't played for a couple of years in T20, but if you look at their record, they've got they've I think they've won more than they've lost against Bangladesh. Um, it's unlikely they will play Sri Lanka from that draw, but were it to were they to do so again, I would absolutely back um, Afghanistan as the outsiders. Okay, Richard Mann, how are we betting them? Well, I mean, it's really hard. They're obviously in a tough group. I think, that, similar to the point I made about Bangladesh, I think low-scoring matches and, and what we've seen in the IPL on, on these, these same grounds is that low-scoring matches are, are very commonplace now. And I think that's where Afghanistan could come into it. They've got a great bowling attack, and if they're batting, can somehow get them to 130, 140. And they've got Karim Janata, who Ed's just mentioned. Gerbaz is a really dangerous player, probably will open the batting. If they can get to 130, 140, and let people like Rashid and Mujib get into batting lineups, it doesn't matter how good they are, they will have a chance. I'd just worry if we, we if Jaja, for instance, suddenly the, the scores and the run started flowing, I think they'd be out muscle. But in low scoring matches, the bowling attack could, could be really dangerous. Okay, lovely stuff. Moving on swiftly. Yesteryears, South Africa are up next. 14s with Betfair Sportsbook, 18.5 on the exchange. Ed Hawkins, how are they looking to you? Not good at all, I'm afraid, on the numbers. They're six 
for boundary percentage and also rated six on their economy last two years. They're doing nothing. They're treading water. Uh, they're also um, rated uh, as a 50-50 record uh, for batting first. And if we think that's a uh, chasing if it's going to be a chasing tournament, they don't really have a much of an edge there. Possible 11, De Kock, Markram, Bavuma, Rassi van der Dussen, Heinrich Klassen, David Miller, uh, our Room 101, Mulder, Shamsi, Rabada, Nokje and Nagidi. You can see their strength is with the pace attack, but they're weak in that middle order. Pretorius possibly instead of Mulder. Practices, reading those lists in the bath. Do you know that, Paul? Um not looking good for South Africa. I recall you, Paul, saying that you would make a final call on them after their series in Sri Lanka. They won that 3-0. What are you saying now? They did well enough in that. They did what they had to do. I think Sri Lanka are a poor size, so I don't think it reads that well. But they also won away to West Indies, which reads well. I'm not wild on them. I can see the doubts. I absolutely agree with Ed. The middle order is probably not good enough. But the price is appealing. I think that considering they are in the much easier group, they're 18.5 on the exchange as we speak. That looks like a good trade. I could see them getting through that group. It's perfectly possible with, especially if a couple of tosses go their way. Um, they've got Rabada, Norkir and uh, Ngidi is a superb pace trio who are all proven in those conditions over there. Um the spinners aren't anything special, but Shamsi and Maharaja are okay. Uh, I absolutely agree. The middle was the weakness. But, you know, they could surprise. And maybe just for once, South Africa going to a tournament with low expectations might work for them. Um, so, yeah, I can I could have them as a trade, absolutely. Richard Mann, um, we know you're doing this record wearing your Rassi van der Dussen pyjamas, but they are... <laughs> what, have you, what have you had tonight? Oh, nothing. They're up against... Uh, come on, let's get on with the podcast, guys. Um, South Africa up against England, West Indies and Australia. Surely they're not getting out of the group. First off, excellent analysis from Paul. He, 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 he said a lot of what, what I was thinking, actually. For a number of years now, when Graham Smith was captain, he had a brilliant side, Callis, Stain, brilliant top order. And they were unable to win an ICC event that seemed to be favourite every time and, and couldn't do it. But here they go under the radar. They've got a young team. No Faf, no Inman to here, no AB. And clearly, they're, they're brilliant players who probably should be in this squad. But actually, it's a dangerous side. It's a young side. And crucially, it's got an excellent ball in attack. Paul's mentioned the, the pace trio. But then you've got Shamsin and Marahaj, two really effective spinners who should do well in these conditions. And I, and I think the ball sides out, I really do. And I, Nokia has been absolutely brilliant in the IPL. He really has for Delhi Capitals. I was looking at his numbers he's played. Seven matches in the IPL, 10 wickets, 5.92. I mean, that's a fantastic record. He comes into this in brilliant form. The middle order is a massive worry. There's no doubt about that. But we're talking about betting them, uh, betting them at 14s with Betfair Sports, but not fours. They're a big price. Look at the group. They've got Australia to face. I'd, I'd fancy them against Australia. Clearly, against gets tougher after that. Obviously, the West Indies in there as well. But at the odds, I'd be very close to backing them, taking a chance on them. Probably wouldn't be my only bet, but I think if you're looking for a saver, I've got a sneaky feeling about them. I think it could be on the up. Oh, sunny side up for South Africa, says Richard Mann. Thank you very much, guys. Stick around. Still to come, analysis for Pakistan and Australia. 
We continue our analysis of the bottom four in the betting from the Super 12s for the upcoming T20 World Cup. Pakistan are next, 11.5 on the exchange. Ed Hawkins, you have been sweet on them for a while. I have, but I'm beginning to waver. Uh, Their boundary percentage is not what we wanted it to be. They are number four for economy rate, however, um, and they've got a 7-8 record um, batting first, which is, sorry, they've got a 6-8 Record batting first, which is not terrific in a toss bias tournament for the chaser. Possible 11. Baba, Rizwan, Fakazaman, Hafiz, Asif Ali, Shadab, Imad, Hassan Ali, Mohamed Nawaz, Ralph and Afridi. I think they've fudged their squad at the last minute here. They've brought Shoab Malik back in for the injured Sahib Maksud. Shoab was absolutely disastrous in the Caribbean Premier League. Uh, he's finished. They've also dropped Azam Khan entirely from their squad, who had a terrific strike rate and could solve that issue with them not getting the big runs that they need at the death. And he was a terrific hitter of spin as well. So they were they're weaker now than they were about a week ago, I'd say. Okay, um, Paul, you must love the bowling here. Are they the team you could perhaps get most wrong? Because if the bowlers dominate, they obviously go deep. But if the pitches are a leveller they could potentially be a major disappointment. I'm really positive about them, to be honest. I, I I know they're in the harder group, which is a negative, but they're 12 on the exchange, which is a good price. And I think that we've got to remember where they're playing here. This is, they played home matches here. And so the, whereas most of the matches that we're weighing up their stats were away from home in places like England and New Zealand and South Africa, where they did okay. Uh, but now in, in the United Arab Emirates, they've got a great record. They won 13 of the last 14 T20s there uh, before going back to playing Pakistan. And I think when you look at the current side, yeah, I think Ed Wright, Show Malik's a, a worry, but they do have a re- fairly well-balanced team now. They've got Imad, Hafiz and Shadab, all quality all-rounders. Hassan Ali's effectively an all-rounder now. You've got a gun bowler in uh, the 3D. And then you've got uh, Baba, Rizwan, and Faka, top three. I think that's a quality lineup, and I think they'll go close. Okay, Richard Mann, Simon Dool is a fan of this um, Pakistan team. It's a potential toss bias later in the tournament for the Chaser, as we saw in the IPL too. Um, do you agree with Paul? Worst bets in this tournament? Yeah, I like them as well. Actually, I like everything. It's a price thing, and the price is clearly appealing. Uh, very talented side, and. Imad Wazib could be a real key player here. As we've seen in the back end of the IPL, as the pitches have been tough to bat on, it's been the power player when, when sides have basically made the runs. It's been easiest to bat the top of the order when teams have been frightened to ball spin in the power play. Get your runs off the seamers when the ball's coming on. But Imad Wazim is a brilliant left-arm spinner in the power play. He could ball three overs in the power play and be hard to score off. And I think that'll give Pakistan a real advantage, actually, because they'll be able to get spin into the game early. So I think that's a massive plus. And the other plus is obviously the top the top two, Baba and Rizwan. Brilliant opening partnership. Probably the best in the competition, certainly for these conditions anyway. And for a side bet, I would just go match to match and look at highest opening partnership. And if Pakistan are odds against, I think I'd be, I think I'd be taking that, to be honest. Brilliant opening pair. And given that the middle orders are a little bit weak, they can sometimes be, be a little bit more conservative as well because they know they've got a set of solid base. Well, that's fine for, for, for this bet's purposes. So that'll be the way I'll be looking. Okay, thank you, Richard. Um, any bets to point towards here, folks? 
Yeah, just on the on their um top on the top tournament run scorer, I noticed that Mohamed Rizwan is twenty five to one, and that Fakir Zaman isn't even in the betting at the moment. Now, um, well, I think we're probably going to have Fakir come in at three, but it could open, and we, normally we focus on openers in that market. So I think they could both be a better value there. Okay, Richard Man. Yeah, I, th- I think just. Just sticking with what I said about high, highest opening partnership, and the other thing is obviously Shaina Freedy, unbelievable record, um, you know, for picking up three, four, five wicket hauls. Um, he'd have to be on the shortlist for top tournament bowler. Yeah, definitely. There's no odds up yet, is there? No, like everything else, it'll be price dependent, but I mean, his nice. strike rate is just phenomenal. Okay, thank you very much, chaps. Now we come to the fourth and final team for our uh, bottom four betting, and I'm very upset to say that the the final team we're covering is Australia. Um, I sense this could be a bit brutal. They're six to one with Betfair Sportsbook, eight point six on the on the exchange. Ed Hawkins, do your worst. Yeah, double the price, treble it probably. Bottom on boundary percentage for those confirmed Super Twelve teams. They can't. Get it off the square. Repeat, they are bottom. They've got decent bowling economy. Well, great bowling economy at number two. But surely this is the wrong team with Warner confirmed as opener. Aaron Finch has said he will opening the batting. So they're going to line up like this, probably. Warner, Finch, Mitchell, Marsh, Smith, Maxwell, Stoinis, Wade, Cummins, Stark, Zamba, Hazelwood. Gets very good towards the end. Just reading a piece on Crick Info today. Uh wibbling on about wondering how Australia are going to fit Smith into this team because of the great form of Mitchell Mars and Maxwell. You're not going to fit him in. Just don't pick him. Why is this expectation that Smith plays in this team? It's ridiculous. I tried to pick a better 11 from their squad and they're still unbalanced. I think they're an absolute mess. Oh, he's so he's angry, Ed Hawkins. He's angry. <laughs> um, Paul Christopher. Do you understand Ed Hawkins's anger, or do you think maybe he should just take a bath in some milk or something? What do you think? <laughs> I, I think it should be over the moon at the opportunity to bet against them. I mean, they are terrible value, terrible, terrible value, and they're going to be bad value in every match they play in Australia because the market just won't wake up to it. I mean, Warner seven to four top team run scoring two. I mean, what kind of a bet is that? Like we've been talking about this for months. He's gone at the game, and they are a poor T Twenty side. Um, I mean, in addition to the batting problems that Ed's run through, I mean, you can make a case for some of their batsmen, like Maxwell's playing well, Marsh is playing well, so English could come in. But the bowlers, I think the bowlers will be expensive. You know, Pat Cummings was pretty expensive in the IPL last year in um, UAE. Uh, Mitchell Starr's a good bowler, but when's the last time we saw him bowl in these conditions? Um, Really, it, a lot comes down to Josh Hazelwood for me. And I just think take them on game by game. And when I think about the games at Charger, I really think that's not going to suit them. Okay. I know Richard van der Man thinks these guys are a mess. So, Richard, will you be laying this lot from ball one? Uh, that, that's what I've got written down with my purple highlighter. I pause game by game if, if they're favourites. Um, look, we've, we've been saying for a while now, they're a, they're a really poor side, particularly in this format. Um, and the thing about Glenn Maxwell and, and Ed spot on, he's been brilliant for RCB in the IPL. And one of the things he said is because he's come into this franchise and they've said, you bat at number four, that's where you'll bat in every match. And he's like that continuity, same as in the big bash for Melbourne Stars. Now, if they're going to shunt him down to number five because 
to make room for an inferior player in Stephen Smith, they're going to be really asking for trouble there. I think that's that's a crazy move. If, if Maxwell had been batting three or four, I'd probably bat that in for top Australia batsman. But down at five, I think that's a woeful mistake. Um, I, I just can't have, have them at all. The pace attack looks great, but it looks great for Test cricket. Um, I, I think they're in big trouble. I think they'll probably fin- finish bottom of this group. And if, if, if a bet comes up for that, I'll be taking it. Okay. Any other strategies or tips? And I'll widen this just for for anger management for Ed Hawkins. Well, I think um, Maxwell will be a bet for top Australia series run scorer. Um, he should be some value, I think, because. Warner and Smith will take up a massive chunk of the book based purely on reputation. Um, that's what gets is actually gets me angry. I know I shouldn't be angry about it, but it's this reputation over record thing. That's that's no, my ten pence worth. Keep talking, Ed. We're all here to absolutely, listen. That's spot on analysis. That one I'm really keen on actually. I presume Stark will be favourite for this great one day record. Um, Cummins will probably be second favourite because he's the best team. Test bowler in the world, but Josh Hazelwood actually hasn't really been a white ball bowler, but he's improved a lot over the last year or so. But pretty well for Chennai actually in the IPL time recording, they're now in the final. When they're out in the West Indies, Hazelwood beat Stark there. I think he picked up four wickets in that T20 series earlier in the year. Uh, and then again in Bangladesh, Stark only played two matches, but Hazelwood had a better strike rate through that series. Both of those series in conditions similar to what we're going to get in the UAE. I reckon Hazel would have been third favourite, maybe even fourth favourite if Zampa's in there as well. If he is, he's definitely a bet for a top Australia bookie taker. Back to that Australia, top Australia run scoring market. Um, so Maxwell is 7-1 to one on Sportsbook. But even bigger than that, Mitchell Marsh at 12-1, to one, who could be betting at, as open or at three. Crazy price. Okay, what a way to finish, Mitchell Marsh. Um, we're up to date. Great show. Nice hustle, everybody. Thank you very much. Here comes the best bit, though. It's our best bets. Best bets time. Ed Hawkins scores on doors, please. Paul Krishnamurti is plus eight. Richard Mann is plus 16.8. Nine. So we're going to go over to the guys now for their World T20 Best Bets Part 1. And I think it's Richard Mann who goes first this week. Right, I'll kick off. Uh, Josh Hazelwood, top Australia tournament bowler. Two points, please. Okay, and I'll have three points on Quinton de Kock to be top South Africa run scorer at 9-4. like that a lot. And I'll just have a point on South Africa to win the T20 World Cup. He's at 14. Okay, and I'll have a point on Pakistan at 12 to win the T20 World Cup. One point on Mitchell Marsh at 12 to 1, top Australia team one scorer. World T20 preview part one is done. Big tick. Join us next week for part two. More from Simon Dool as well. And we'll start to have a look at those favourites, England and India. Can we get them beat? See you next time. <laughs>